Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. namely their remarkable consistency, their uh, biomechanical appropriateness, um, you know, those aspects that, that are, are extremely compelling. guys welcome to the uh, bigfoot influencers uh, my name is tim halloran uh, i'm solo tonight uh dana's not going to be joining us so i'm sorry it's, we just we had a crazy week we were actually uh we were traveling last week uh spent some time in missouri uh got out in the woods a little bit and just trying to catch up so i'm super excited that we've got an amazing guest um i heard i heard our guest on uh Jeremiah Byron's podcast originally, uh, Bigfoot Society. Uh, Jeremiah was nice enough to connect uh, connect me with our, our guest tonight, Rob. And then um, just super excited to have him. Rob's got some fascinating experiences. And we're probably, I'm just going to set you guys up now, we're probably not going to get to all of them because I think I could have Rob on for uh, two or three hours or sit around a campfire. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Dad. Yeah, yeah. Again, I I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeremiah was uh, was just kind enough. I heard your your I heard you on his podcast, and I was just blown away. And I just just compelling uh, your your background, your you know what you've experienced out there, and um, just super super excited to have you here. And you're not too far away from us, so maybe maybe we'll get up there and do a get out in the woods and do a a podcast. So that would be kind of fun. We'll just take Um, you in the backyard here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what i mean you're not that you're only a few hours away we could definitely do that yeah you know what's your background you know can you can you just share share a few sentences about that with the audience um honestly i grew up in oklahoma uh eastern oklahoma um just mountains and mountains and lakes and streams growing up in oklahoma when i first got there i was originally from california so growing up as a kid uh the subject of sasquatch was is is definitely um 
piqued my interest at a young age, you know, with the Patterson Gimlin film, you know, being shown on television, you know, picking up, picking up books and things of that nature uh, as, as a kid and reading up on the subject. Um, it was always in the back of my mind. When I got, uh, when I got to Oklahoma, um, all of that stuff kind of became reality in a sense. Where I'm from there in eastern Oklahoma, uh, this subject is, everybody knows. You could literally walk up to random people and be like, do you believe in Sasquatch? And they'd be like, yeah. And, and the reason for that is most of us spend a lot of time in the woods. And we understand that if it leaves prints, it's alive and it, it breathes. Nobody's out there in the middle of, middle of nowhere, you know, trying to hoax people. Um, especially in the backwoods of Oklahoma. It's just not happening. Um, where I grew up, the Queen Wilhelmina mountain range runs into the Washita's. Um, that would be looking just directly, directly back. I'm right actually on the, I grew up right on the border of Arkansas there. The Washita's run right out of there into the Kaimishis. Um, the winding stair mountain range is also, uh, right on we were always in the woods, either hunting or fishing or, or just going back roading and four wheeling and, you know, doing camping out, you know, later on in life, I got into, I got into climbing, um, in the nineties and I've pretty much been doing that ever since. So I, I get out, I get outside an awful lot. I, I spend most of my time outside. If I'm not at work, I'm in the woods, whether, whether it be hiking or, or, or climbing or just to, just to be out in nature. I spend as much time out there as I possibly can. I always have. But when I got to Oklahoma, my great uncle, he told me a story and, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Um, but I thought he might be fibbing a little bit. And then he and then he actually took me out there. Um, so I can start off with that one. So my uncle told me that they'd bought some property out past Hodge in Oklahoma. You're probably not going to. You, you, you may find that on a map. And uh, they bought some property out there on just outside of the blue it's in the blue mountain range there which is basically the washington's and they got their cabin built and they went out the first night um him and his wife and they never went back four individuals decided that they would, didn't really like that cabin and they started throwing rocks at the cabin and some of them were large enough to go through the roof you know i i kind of want to call the yes on it and then he you know put me in the truck and took me out to the cabin that had been there for years and right. uh, those stones were still sitting in the inside the cabin. The holes are still there, and the cabin's still there. It's, I mean, it's fallen down on itself, but it, it must have happened. So I, I, I definitely believed them uh, after that. I mean, proof's in the pudding. And then years later, I guess it'd be a few years later. Um, me and a buddy, my best friend, still, still to this day, um, we decided we were going to go out and see if we couldn't you know, kill a couple hogs. And we decided to go out towards the Queen Wilhelmina mountain range out to a place called Deer, Oklahoma. Um, Deer is basically a, a four-way stop. That, other than that, it's just in the mountains. It's it's literally a truck, like you can pull a tr uh, an 18-wheeler off on the side of the road there. That's Deer. And uh, we started to go back towards the uh, Arkansas border there, the, the state line, and we decided to go up the mountain there. We went up um, an old logging road. And we were on this thing for, for miles, just, you know, looking out the window to see if we could, you know, spot tracks, see tracks, get out of the truck, go that way. 
follow the tracks. We were coming up the up the mountain on, on kind of a, in a kind of a steeper area, and we were coming around a pretty pretty sharp curve. And as it flattened out, my buddy slammed on the brakes, and I know exactly why I did it because I was looking at the same thing out my window that he was looking out his window. Now, mind you, this is a this is an old '90s you know, crew cab Ford. It's not a small truck. And what I was looking at was a very large human footprint, basically. Um, he was looking at the same thing. We both looked at each other and went, oh, wow. We used some other wording. <laughs> um, trying to keep it clean. They may not say it that way. But anyway, it must have just crossed because there was water seeping out of the print itself. Um, oh, and wow. it took one... It, once in that one stride, we obviously scared the individual, and it 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 was definitely a, a running stride. I would I would I would say, uh, and in, and in that stride, it was literally as wide as the truck. It went from the one door to the other side of the truck because I had a full print on my side, and he had a a print that was just kind of into the where the little bit of a runoff was on the side of the road. There, the print was right there next print on the other side of the door where I was in the passenger seat. And then and the next print was literally uh, a couple feet off the ground up the bank. Okay. You could just see it. So we, it obviously crossed in front of us, like I said, over the track itself. We used some colorful words, grabbed <laughs> the rifles and jumped out of the truck. Right. Can, you, can you describe the print? And, uh, yeah. Brian at the time time he's about six four six five three hundred sixty pounds of man um he wears a size third in his foot um it was about i'd say about seven inches across uh across the front and maybe a five inch heel it was pretty fat it was pretty big and not only that it was it was really in the mud now it had, it had rained two days prior to that so um it was still kind of cloudy and drizzly the day before that maybe in the mountain it might have got a little bit of extra rain but it was still wet out so we jumped out of the truck and headed out towards towards the prince and you could definitely follow the the trackway into the woods we got in 60 or 70 yards and we decided that it was this was just a bad idea we could we could smell him or it and it smelled like death you'll never forget that smell once you've smelled it so you know the hairs on the back of your neck stand up the wow factor is definitely was definitely there. We're like, wow, what this is really happening. Like, this is this is awesome. And at the same time, you're like, let's go. I want to get out of here now. Right. So we jumped in the truck, we drove up the road a little ways, turned around, and we headed down the mountain. Hog hunting trip over. Back to the house. We 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 talked about it a little bit down the road, and then we just got quiet and just sat there thinking about what happened. I'm sure that's what was going through Brian's mind as well as mine. That was the first instance that I actually seen physical evidence of a Sasquatch. You know, I was 16, maybe, somewhere okay. around that age. That was the first time I actually seen sign. And like I said, if um, if it leaves a track, it's breathing, especially out in the middle of nowhere. Um, we are, he, I guess, Hevener's probably... 50 miles at least from that spot and there's nothing else there except for zoe oklahoma which is i think eight people live there it, i don't they don't even have a post office i'm pretty sure it's just eight people that live in a place called zoe um wasn't class a um it was just it was just footprints but let me tell you those footprints were very fresh like i said the water was running out of them 
it literally crossed in front of us. Um, we just, we just, just missed. Him. You know, even with a rifle in hand, and even with my 360 pound buddy, we were still pretty, pretty frightened and taken aback by by the situation. So we jumped in the truck off to the house. Years later, I believe it was 2002. Me and a climbing partner, we'd been we'd been climbing partners for a few years, and we decided that we were going to go ahead and quit our jobs and go to work for the Boy Scouts of America. And I was living in Fayetteville, Arkansas at the time. We had to go to the BSA camp and and do some training and whatnot in order to do what we were going to do. I was going to be the trekking director for a high adventure camp. He was going to be the climbing director. I would be the assistant climbing director uh, for the Boy Scouts of America. The camp is located on the Buffalo River in the Buffalo River region there in Arkansas, just outside of Jasper, Arkansas. It's literally in, in Jasper, basically. It's the only town there, really. And uh, in preparation for this, we you know we left camp. Camp was actually in South Texas. We, we drove back up. It was probably last weekend of April, 2002. We're pretty athletic dudes still to this day. We, I do a lot, but we decided to really get on these trails and make sure that we, we could, you know, do the, the task at hand as a trekking director, the Boy Scouts were after their 50 miler patches, um, whether 50 miles on the river or 50 miles on trail. Um, so that was my job. And I wanted to make sure that I could, I could do that job as efficiently as possible. And not only that, I wanted to make sure that, I mentally took notes of, of interesting spots within the trail and things of that nature. So I, I, we decided to, to go for a run one morning. It was a long run. It was around 12 miles, six miles out, six miles back. The trail there is called the BRT, the Buffalo River Trail. There's an upper trail and a lower trail. The lower trail runs, the, runs right next to the Buffalo River. Um, we decided to take the high road and then come back on the low road. We took the high road because it was early in the morning. It hadn't, it hadn't started to warm up yet. Like I said, it's the last last week of April coming into May. Um, so what the, you know, weather was pleasant, sunny, beautiful day. We took off and on our way back, um, we stopped maybe a quarter of a mile past a place called Horseshoe Bend. Every river's got a Horseshoe Bend. And we decided that we're going to take a dip. The The Buffalo River is, is lined with limestone cliffs that go up to almost 300 feet. Um, and we salivate as rock climbers, we salivate over these things because they're, they're just, they're beautiful. They, they look like somebody painted it with a paintbrush. So we went in the water. I, I came out of the water and I'm looking at the bluff in front of me. There's this beautiful line with a crack in it. And I'm thinking we can definitely climb this thing. And my vantage point was such that I could actually see a little ways past the top of the, uh, of the cliff there. And I was following the line up and Carl was still soaking in the water for a second. And I noticed that there was somebody standing there watching us. So I called Carl out of, out of the river. I used some colorful words. I said, Carl, get your ass out of the water. You need to come see this. Now, Carl is, um, we call him crazy Carl for a reason, but he's a very serious individual. He's kind of a skeptical when it comes to anything that he can't see or touch. Honestly, I don't think the, the subject of Sasquatch, I don't think we ever even brought it up. Until this day, I told him, come and I said, Carl, get, up, get your ass out of the water. I said, come here and sit down and take a look at what I'm looking at. He goes, you looking at that route? And I'm like, not anymore. And he goes, what's up? And he sits down. I said, now follow that line up. And what do you see about 40 yards past that top of that bluff? He said, is that I was like, that is a very large human. At that moment, there's two cedar trees He's standing in between the cedar trees. Okay. Now, I don't want to give you 
it was it was a very large individual. Uh, okay. If I were to guess that individual, at least eight feet tall, and not only that, he was as wide as a as a two door refrigerator, no problem. And we're as we're looking at him, he's standing very very still. You can see his you can see him plain as day. You can't make out any features. He's a, mm-hmm. a little too far up, um, but he's standing between two cedar trees. And then he starts to sway back and forth. Now, those cedar, there is no wind, by the way. Wasn't windy. And those cedar trees are not moving. And he's standing up taller than the cedar trees were. Carl's kind of tripping out a little bit. He's like, man, what the? And I'm like, I know, I know. And so we sit there. We're, we're watching him watch us for a minute. And like I said, he starts to sway back and forth, kind of ape-like. In a sense, like it was like it was kind of exciting for for it. Oh, that's how I felt. You know what I mean? Like he was like, oh, you know, he's he kind of just started to do this uh, thing. And and then he just crouched down hands, hands in between both legs. He just squatted down. Now, he got himself small like that. I think he realized we were we were looking at him. And when he. When he squatted down, we continued to watch this. This went on for a couple of minutes. Oh, in that wow. situation, time you're not really thinking about it, but in hindsight, this was going on for for a few minutes. He didn't. He didn't just up and leave. Carl actually got up and jumped back in the water for a second. Jumped back out, and I was like, "We should probably get out of here." He's like, "Grab the backpacks," and so we turned around, grabbed the backpacks, and as we as we turned around to look, he was gone. So we knew we weren't, we weren't just seeing things. Right. Those two cedar trees are there and the individual in the middle was gone. But I had two within a week. Now he is on the opposite side of the river that the, that the BRT is on. Um, Camp gets started the following week. Um, I had a troop come out of Louisiana and we were getting ready for a 50 miler. I got everybody situated, packed up. Um, I had some food drops made at certain certain points along the along the river, um, so we didn't have to carry so much. And I um, I explained to the scoutmasters that the terrain was was difficult, and that I might get ahead of them. And if I do get ahead of them, don't worry about it. I'll be waiting when you when you top the hill. I'm a fast hiker. Keep an eye on the kids. Keep them on the trail. Yada yada yada. Okay. So we have we have to hike into Kyle's Landing and then out of Kyle's Landing the BRT goes up, or you can take the BRT low road. Um, I decided to take them the high road so they can actually see the vistas and the views from up top uh, of the Buffalo River. It's a really good, really good, really good hike through there. And we got about, I'd say about an hour. We were going up up the trail there out of Kyle's Landing. And I just want to quickly explain that there there are elk in this area. It's the only place in Arkansas where there is elk. I did get ahead of them. I was I was a good 60, 80 yards up the trail. I kind of hear the kids, but I like I like getting ahead and just and just keeping my own pace and stopping when everything flattens out, out and waiting for everybody to come up. It gives the scouts uh time to, you know interact with their scout leaders or their dads. So mostly their dads, uh, mm-hmm. scout leaders. 
And um, and I I hear I hear a limb or a tree break. Really is what it sounded like. It sounded like a tree just snapped. Um, it hmm. was it was it was loud enough that I took off running towards it. That's when this happened. So not only did I hear a limb snap, you could also hear a large thud. So I took off towards it. In my mind, I'm thinking elk. Why? Just noise. I just went towards the noise. I wanted to see if I could get up there, maybe whistle at him and keep him held so the kids could come up and maybe see the elk. Right. You know, those split second thoughts. I ran up the trail, I don't know, 40, 50 yards. As I came over the top, the 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 branch itself was sitting in the trail. I'd obviously woke him up and it was in the tree. And I guess when he came out of the tree, and it was definitely he, we'll get to that part in a second. When he came out of the tree, he came out with a vengeance, and I guess he grabbed that limb and the limb and snapped. I happened to look left because I caught movement. So as soon as I did look left, there he was. He was 30, between 30, 35 yards for me. My yardage is pretty good. I, I'm pretty good with deer hunting. I can judge yardage pretty well. He was about 30, 35 yards. He was standing behind a very large oak tree. He was holding it in a manner where his arm came all the way around the front of it. So I had a full full vision of it, of not only that half of his body, as well as the large hand that's holding on to the tree. And it was a tree peak, if that's what you want to call it. He was kind of trying to get small. He wasn't exactly erect. He was kind of uh sitting down a little bit and as as i started to look at him of course i'm taking all of this information in as fast as i can because there's no telling how long this individual is going to be standing there but i hear the kids coming up and so did he and that's when he stood up you could hear the kids running up and when he stood up he stepped out just enough that i could catch almost three quarters of his body easily as wide as a double wide refrigerator. Um, the best way to explain this hulking individual was a left tackle on and an NFL left tackle in full pads was not quite as big as this individual. His arms were as, as they were way bigger than my legs and his, his biceps were they were ridiculous. They were they were enormous. His just his delts on the side of his were at least this wide. They they just came down like this. No neck. Um, the individual was a very very dark brown. You could actually get a little bit of of reddish tone into uh, because of the way the light was coming filtering through the trees. You could see a little bit of red. His face was very hairy. Okay. Except for the cheekbones here, same as my beard, except for it would come up and, and, and it was just across across here. Um, his pecs were actually uh, wide open. The, the skin was very, very dark. I did not see the bottom of his hand really clearly. Um, the hair that hung off of his arm was, oh, I don't know, five or six inches hanging. It was very dreadlocky, uh, matted. If you would, as he stood up, that's when I really, uh, that's when you could really un just witness the size of the individual. 
it was you could even through all the hair you can just see the ripped i mean he was ripped muscle i i wish i could get that ripped it was just tons of muscle i would probably estimate he was 500 pounds or better he he had wow. and it was solid muscle and not only that his his he was very barrel chested um and and the reason i know that is because he stood up as he stood up from the tree he let go of the tree and that's when he kind of it wasn't really a smile it was kind of a maybe a he just showed me his teeth and kind of disgust like he just did one of those and he stood up and he and he turned and he started to walk away and as he turned i noticed that there was uh, a bit of gray that came down to a point on his on his back um you could see his lats i mean he was just enormously wide across the back no neck i don't everybody says they have cone shaped heads now he did have a very pronounced brow eyes set back cheekbones out flat nose his jaw was very wide it was almost kind of ridiculous uh, in a sense it was almost uh, i don't even know how to explain it it was very like if i had his skull i could stick it on top of my head and and wiggle it around is how big it looked as far as his jawline was concerned his hair was very very long across the top um and going down his back and all of the hair that was coming off of his head from where his neck would be a lot of it was very matted and almost dreadlocked onto his back like I said, he was very, very dark brown, almost black with these red, red hues um, in the in the in the hair. I don't want to call it fur because I'm telling you right now, they're they're not apes. They are very human. Um, hmm. I feel like we were fooled by museum pieces of what Neanderthal actually looked like. I feel like I feel like they they tone down a little bit and why is this is probably the reason why on it i feel like they're really a hominid they're definitely a human of some sort whether they be homo erectus neanderthal division somewhere in that range you know i don't know but what i can tell you is is they're very large hairy humans they're they're humans Everything about his facial structure screamed human to me. The only thing, the only difference is, is size and hair. If, if you had to go live out in the woods, you'd have to adapt and your body would do that. And if it's been millennia, you're going to adapt very well. And those, those traits are going to, they're going to, they're going to be bred in. Um, even if it comes down to better vision at night, things of that nature. If you're, if you're a wild human I can understand how that happens over over a millennia. Adapta those adaptations happen in every single animal that we know of uh, as species. Um, they they have to adapt to their environment, and I believe that's exactly what we're dealing with. We're we're dealing with humans that are feral. Now, where they are in our in our in our family tree, that's a that's a Dr. Meldrum question. I I can't answer that one, but I, but I can tell you that from what I saw. I would think they're Neanderthal or somewhere in that general vicinity of, of human or, or even, you know, something outside of that. But that's probably as close as I could think because Neanderthal were quite heavy 
boned. I mean, we, all we have is bone bone records. So um, they were very a little bit sturdier than we are now. As far as size and stuff is concerned, you know, I don't know where that comes from. But as far as their look is concerned, there's some type of hominid for sure. Not an ape. Uh, I mean, I guess we are considered apes, um, but but they're not gorillas. Okay. Even gorillas are capable of learning sign language and love and and caring and things of that nature. So to describe Sasquatch as a as a mindless animal, we're doing ourselves an injustice there. I can completely understand why they why they hide and why they stay in the woods um, and that they're the hide and seek champions of the world because humans are nasty. We're you know we have guns. We we start fires. We we we're not very nice. I, I would I would stay away from us too if I were them. We're we're not exactly safe. Um, the safest the safest spot for them is the woods, which is the reason I'm even talking about this is because people ought to know that they exist. One, two, we have to figure out a way to come up with some type of conservancy or uh, protection because, I mean, I can kind of understand why nobody wants to admit it because if you admit that there is humans living in the woods, um, those woods be, have to become off limits and oil, bye-bye, bye-bye cutting down the trees and clear cutting, bye-bye all of that stuff. So I can understand how, how money plays a part and how government wants to keep that uh, under wraps as, as, as much as they possibly can. But nowadays, I feel like a lot more people understand what, what they are, one, and and now what to look for, which is a, which is positive as long as they you know don't go hunting for them. As a hunter, even if I had a rifle, I don't know that I could pull the trigger. They're they're hmm. they're humans. They're humans. Period. But uh, I I don't know any other way to explain it. I'm actually Native American myself. I have a little bit of Spanish, hence the beard. Um, I'm Apache and Yaki. So as far as native tradition is concerned, you know, most tribes in the United States have a name for it. You're right. They all have a name for them, especially when it comes to the Northwest, um, you know, Oregon, Washington, uh, all the way up into Alaska. Uh, most of the tribes up there, you know, they did totem. There's not a totem pole out there um, that has a fake animal on it. Just not a thing. There's a bear and wolf and eagle and sasquatch uh right at the top of the total and when it comes down to it you should probably listen to to the ones who actually lived out there uh amongst the trees in the woods with everybody else that's how we you know that's how we came across medicine we were listening to to name lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...to tell you what worked for what. So I, and not only that, that, there's no reason to lie. But, you know, in order to keep things controlled, you know, I, I understand why government would, would not want to. Possible. I, I a lot of money out there. You're gonna you're gonna miss out on it if you if you start to protect something. That you might frighten you might frighten some individuals from going out into the woods. Um, I actually know individuals that have been frightened from going back out in, into the woods, and they even own the property and they don't even want to go back out there uh, because they've come across these individuals. So anyway, as far as Arkansas was concerned, uh, those those were the those were the two happenstances that I had. It it really it really opened my eyes up to 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 what's going on is a blessing really uh it's one thing to talk about it it's one thing to see footprints um it's another thing to understand and and see why i've already told you i've been in the woods a lot i lived in dallas for 10 years and the closest rock climbing areas to us are either austin or arkansas as far as developed uh well and, and in oklahoma um as far as developed areas are concerned but just across the red river there Growing up there, I know that there's a lot of abundance of sandstone. So um, some of my friends and I, I was like, hey, listen, I'm, we need to start Google mapping some areas over here by by Atoka in the McGee Creek area up towards Sardis Lake. And we ended up uh, finding some some areas out there. We did our due diligence and we got permission to go out and uh, start developing this uh, area on the on. I guess that'd be 43 highway 43 outside of Daisy, which is just the opposite side of McGee Creek. The McGee Creek entrance that we usually went um, into was off of highway three outside out of Atoka. We went out and we, we drove down this road. It's off of, off of highway three. I don't know, eight, 10, 12 miles. It's a ways it's, it, it, it is paved, but not really. Um, and it, and it goes out into the park. Um, there is a left turn that can take you down uh, to a boat, a boat ramp, um, and then it just comes in. There's some primitive camping areas. There is a, a a ranger station or house. The ranger stays there. And if you keep driving uh, a couple of miles, you get to the end of the road. It's just a it's just a cul-de-sac down there. We got out of the car and we we the trail was directly in front of us. It went down into the right into the valley. the The lake was straight in front of us. Um, as we started to go down right, we were trying to make a decision on whether to come to turn back because we had seen a little bluff line right underneath us as we were going down the trail. Uh, we were on, we went down the trail just a few minutes and um, we hear a whoop. It was very apparent whoop. Um, and it was just up the hill, just more towards the center of us looking. And then the third right. whoop came from basically behind us where the gully goes back towards the rangers station. Now, my buddy who was with me, um, he was from Baltimore. This is basically his first time in the woods. And, you know, he asked me, he said, what was that? And I said, I, I can tell you what it isn't. I said, it's not a bear. It's not a raccoon. And it's not a deer. It's not a hog. None of that. So they were just standing there kind of puzzled and i was kind of excited inside because i it's been a while uh this, mm-hmm. this is 2010 so it's been about eight years since i witnessed anything and then we get another whoop off in the distance and then a few minutes later the tree came down and i mean the whole tree came down so they pushed down a tree and uh we decided we probably ought to leave 
So we did. Uh, I I was I was probably the one that brought that up. I was like, hey, I think it's about time we go now. Um, right. But now I know what's going on out there. So we all kind of bouldered around on some stuff for a little while. We heard the tree come down. We got up. Out we went. Then I talked to my friend, um, my setter, um, guy who sets most of the routes in the gym. I talked to him mm-hmm. into going back out there um, to see if we could find some other boulders going down and left. We we had to close the gym down that night, and we decided to go out late. It was cold. Um, it was March. Uh, maybe okay. Friday, probably last weekend of March. It started to warm up a little bit. Prior to that, February was there was ice storms and stuff. January, December, January, February, um, in that area at that year, a lot of trees came down. And it looked like a bomb went off out there. There was just treetops everywhere. So we got we got into a toko before the liquor store closed because we did stop and grab a, a little half to thirties that night, uh, and we we prepped for it because the next day was supposed to be sunny and be in the fifties. Um, sandstone is really it really starts to it feels really good kind of tightens up if you would um and it the friction on it is really good in your hands especially for your climbing shoes so climbing in the 50s on sandstone is kind of um, so that's what we were hoping for so we stopped at atoka we grabbed uh, a half pint of soco and we headed back out now we we camped on the left hand side of the road there in a little primitive area um just before literally you could walk across the street you know, 50 yards and the ranger station is right there, the house. Uh, there's a four-wire barbed wire fence across the road. That At that time, the road was basically dirt. It's been fixed since then. As he was setting up camp, I said, hey, listen, I'm going to jump. I'm going to go across the road over here. I see a bunch of wood over there. I'm going to bring. So I go across the road and there's a, a tree with a Y in it. Um, so I start picking up limbs and snap them off between the Y and I'm throwing them. You know, okay. making lots of wood noise, snapping off trees, throwing them over the fence as I snap them off. And I, thinking back as this happened, I believe that was the what brought the individual. So we make our campfire. We drink a little bit of SoCo. We do not finish the bottle, by the way. We were not drunk. We were definitely warm inside, though, because it was cold. We decided we we're going to climb into bed. So we climbed in the tent, tried to go to sleep. Um, we knew that we had two girls, two of our girlfriends coming in. In the morning, there is no cell cell phone service out there. You're in the middle of nowhere. So I wasn't even expecting a phone call. Uh, my friend, we'll just keep him nameless. He wakes me up in the middle of the night. Rob, wake up. Somebody's in our campsite. And I hear, I have a, a little flip, one of those little blue and white igloo coolers, the little flip top ones. You know, you push the button, mm-hmm. and flip it over. I hear something messing with it. And he said, somebody's in our campsite. Now we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere, Oklahoma. I don't, we didn't hear a car come. So, you know, I, those thoughts are kind of going through my head, but now I hear somebody in the campsite. So um, I I had my CRKT knife with me and uh, it's not a small one. Um, I, I grabbed a hold of it. And Kenzie was already unzipping the tent. Kenzie said, it just stuck down behind the car. Or he just ducked down behind the car, is what he said. So he unzipped the tent. We both come barreling out of there. And when we did, it stood up and took off. And when it stood up, we immediately stopped. We weren't moving a muscle. He went full on white. I, I probably did too. Because when it took off, 
it was running down a fence line. So the car was parked at another barbed wire fence here, which actually um, is where people will pull their horse trailers into that little, that little vicinity there, get their horses out and take them out on the trail. It ran down the fence line back towards the lake. And it's the, the only way to, to describe it is like a herd of elk busting through the brush. I mean, you could just hear it, whop, 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 and just everything is breaking as he goes. Um, and then you hear the fence pop, and then whop, 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 whop. And you could hear this thing running off for 100 yards, just breaking everything wow. in its path, just running full. Needless to say, we didn't get much sleep that night. We did end up falling asleep by happenstance. My phone rings. Um, like I said, there's usually no service out there. And as the my phone is ringing, the girls come driving by. So I pick up the phone. I'm like, hey, you just passed us. Turn around. Come back. We'll meet you at the road. As they're turning around, I I look at Kenzie and I'm like, we don't say nothing, man. He's like, I'm I'm not saying a damn thing. I'm like, they won't want to come out here ever again. He goes, I don't know that I want to come out here ever again. I was like, it's gonna be, <laughs> you know. Right. I was like, we're gonna, it's gonna be a great day. Calm, calm down. Well, as that's happening, the girls are going down and they're turning around and coming back to our little campsite. And a, and a gentleman comes pulling in with a horse trailer. He pulls into that that spot just behind our campsite there. I love you too, buddy. You know, the girls come in and we're chit-chatting and we're getting gear out, basically bouldering pads that are basically backpacks to get everything ready to go. We're going to throw it in the throw it in the car and, and head out. And uh, the guy's trying to get his horses out of the uh, out of the trailer. And they don't want to come out. They come out and run back in. They come hmm. out. Winnie, stand up. Winnie, right back in the trailer. So me and Kenzie walk over to the fence line. And we're like, hey, is everything okay? Do you need any help? He's like, I have no idea what's wrong with my damn horses. They do not want to ride today. So I guess we're going home. And me and Kenzie kind of looked at each other. We're like, I bet we know. Mm -hmm. They know. They could smell it. I'm sure they could. We could not. I, I didn't smell anything at, at this in the morning. I did not. I didn't smell anything that night either. So since we were standing at the at the, at the fence line there, at the four-wire barbed wire fence, I noticed down in the left there where I thought I heard the fence pop, the fence is broken. I was like, Kenny, I'll be right back. And I start looking at the ground. The terrain there is very rocky, Okay finding footprints and you're on an absolute beautiful uh, on the trail itself, finding footprints in the woods there. It's not happening. It's just rock everywhere. Rocks, woods, leaves, you know, finding a footprint. There's needle in a haystack. Um, but you can, you can always see somebody where, where tracks went through leaves. And then my gaze kind of went up because all of the branches between eight, nine feet, maybe even a little taller, eight between eight, and nine feet. We'll just call it that. They're broken. You can just you can see it as you're looking down the fence line. You can see where it everything was broken. And the only I keep doing this because if you're running through the woods at night, this right. is the best way to keep stuff out of your face. So I can imagine that's what was happening. Um, so I walked down. I could see I could see see a trackway going that way, except for there's no imprints. Just you could see where all the leaves were puffed up. So I walked down to the fence, and sure enough. What I didn't think about was, was there any hair on there? I did not think about that. But you could see where it had hit the fence, and you could see a spot where the leaves, like he pitted or spun there. 
and then mm -hmm. headed back down, and which is exactly what I heard at that night, which brought me back to the campsite. Um, we get the girls up, we we go. I left everything in the camp. We left everything in the campsite exactly the way it was. Day days over, girls come back. They're like, hey, we're gonna head back to Dallas. We're like, we're gonna we're gonna pack up camp, whatever. So me and Kenzie get there and we sit down and we're all day we're thinking about this. I know he was thinking about it. I bet, like, yeah. So I saw a big yes, you did, sir. That's exactly what we saw. Now it it's nighttime and there it is, eight foot tall human behind our car. But that's when I I looked at the igloo and I was like, okay. So if I was a coon, I would be batting at it, trying to get to it. So I batted at it a little bit, and I was like, that wasn't what I heard. And I knocked it around. I said, nope, that wasn't what I heard. And I had um, Nalgene bottles full of water inside there. So I picked it up, and I went like this. And that's exactly what I heard. And you have oh, to have wow. fun to do that one. Because all I heard was the chunk. So it, it picked up my igloo and was looking at it. Because I, the exact sound came from when I picked it up and looked at it. Because my Nalgene bottles were inside. They were not full of water. They were, they were already empty. But you could ka-chunk, ka-chunk. You could hear them. And I was like, I was like, he picked up my igloo, man. And Kenzie was like, that's exactly what happened. He was, I mean, that's exactly what happened. I was like, crazy. I just put it down. I was like, I'm getting chills thinking about it. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was thrilling. So that's McGee Creek. Now, McGee Creek, if you look on the map, McGee Creek, I, I, I literally went and spent a week out there by myself. I lived on fish. I wanted to see if I could go out there. That was four days, not a week, four days. I went out there for four days, and I slept in the woods in a hammock, and I took a knife and a lighter, and that was pretty much it. I wanted to see how easy it would be to survive out there for a couple of days. I didn't have anything else to do, so I rock climbed and bouldered, and I went down and I went fishing. I, I took some string and hooks and whatnot, and I went fishing. And when I couldn't catch fish, I'd just jump in the water and noodle because in Oklahoma, that's we do that. We just jump in the water and fill up underneath stuff, and you pull a fish out, mostly catfish. The wildlife out there is just plentiful. There, there's deer and hog and and turkey, and the lake is massive. Uh, there's tributaries coming in all over. You can stay hidden there for eternity and nobody would ever know you're there. You know. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's Oklahoma. That's a lot, um, That's a lot. So, we, um, unfortunately, we're, we we got to wind down here. Thank you for letting me, letting me talk to you and, and, and tell you what I know and how I feel. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate you. This was amazing. Thank you so much. You bet. Hey, it's my pleasure. I, I just okay. honestly, I just want to, you know, any way I can help out to bring awareness to what 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 we're dealing with. Uh, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. I, I, it's it it's important. Needs, yeah, I know people need to hear it. So it's, very it's, 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 I thank you again. Sounds good, bud. You have a good one. We'll All talk right. to you soon. Okay. Bye. Wow. So uh, thanks, folks, for hanging in with us on that. We are having some a little bit of an audio uh, 
uh, issues. I think uh, I was a little delayed, so you're probably going to like it because you didn't hear me talk a lot. (laughs) And we had a guest talking more than me, so that's great. Um, Thank you all again for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you. Head on over to uh, thebigfootinfluencers.com. You can check out all of our episodes, all the other things we're doing over there. Uh, Go to the Untold Radio Network on YouTube and podcast platforms. Like and subscribe, send us some love. We appreciate you guys again. Take care.